Hey, everyone. Welcome to West New York Brews, Buffalo's beer and brewing podcast. My name is Scott. I'm a home brewer just outside of Buffalo, New York. And on this episode, I'm joined by Matt and Corey from Big Ditch Brewing. I'm joined from Jess, with Jesse and Brian from uh, Buffalo Beer League. And we're talking about Hayburner. We're doing a deep dive today on Buffalo's favorite IPA. So stick with us. We'll see you in a couple of seconds here. I don't know why it took so long on that just now. Ah, well. There's dancing if you're live with us. There's dancing. <laughs> so if you're watching us live, we are most likely live on Facebook, on Twitter. Uh, you can comment, and we should be able to see those comments and throw them up. And it's on loop. Because why not start like that, huh? <laughs> All right, cutting it in three, two, one. All right. So before we begin, I want to remind you that we are a member of the Hopped Up Network. It's a podcast network of independent, regional, local beer podcasts. And you can find out more at hoppedupnetwork.com. And I want to remind you of a few ways you can support the podcast before we begin. If you find this podcast useful or entertaining or hopefully both, or you hate it, I don't care, please leave us a review on whatever podcast network you're using. It can be a bad review. Just just say hi. And if you're so inclined, the next time you shop on Amazon, go to buffalobeerleague.com forward slash Amazon. And every purchase you make will give us a small commission, literally pennies, but it won't cost you anything extra. So it helps us a little bit. So let's jump right in. Uh, on the stream here, excuse me, hitting stuff, uh, we have Corey Catalano and Matt Kahn from Big Ditch Brewing Company, some of the founders of Big Ditch. Can you guys bring us back to where the idea came from, where you were? Who wants to go first? For Hayburner? No, for Big Ditch itself. Oh, for Big Ditch? Yeah. It started with me collapsing crash. Yeah. <laughs> All right, it started with Corey. So uh, we both um, worked in the pharmaceutical racket for many, many moons. Uh, as fate would have it, Matt's desk was uh, like adjacent to mine. And I worked in uh, a research and development lab or a pilot lab where we made real small batches of uh, media that was to be scaled up for production. And, um, a lot of the raw materials that came in were in uh, this food grade, like really nice plastic buckets as a home brewer, you can appreciate a really nice bucket, yep. that, uh, rubber gasket and everything. So I started like stacking these things up at my desk and Matt was like, what are you doing? <laughs> Like 12 of these things. So I was like, I don't know, maybe I'm going to try and make my own beer or something. But nonetheless, I have this nice stack of of uh, buckets. Um, and at first glance, you know, Matt was like, I don't know. I did a Mr. Beer kit. Mm-hmm. He lived in Boston. He can tell you the whole thing. But basically, it came out, it, it tasted terrible. He's like, don't even, don't even try it. But then by the next day, because if you ever get to know Matt Kahn, the gears start spinning. And uh, he pulled me aside in the hallway. He's like, you know, if we can make all these high purity uh, stem cell research sorts of uh, reagents and different chemicals and pharmaceutical applications, like, why couldn't we make really good beer? We should just open a brewery. So, Matt, I'll let you, like, take it over from there. Yeah. 
I think I maybe even texted you that night. And I was like, hey, maybe we should open a brewery. We'll talk tomorrow. <laughs> wow. But uh, but that was it. So back then, uh, this is February 2011. So we're coming up on now 12 years. Ooh, that's a long time ago. Congrats. Yeah, I know. I know. I was. We, we were. We were all younger then. <laughs> um, but uh, back then there was. So who was open at that time? There was. Um, we had Pearl Street, yeah. Flying Bison, and and but Buffalo Brew Pub. That's it. Buffalo Brew Pub. Yeah. yeah and then we would have had you know like regionally Southern Tier and EBC Ellicottville, of course. And that was it. And I was like, and actually, I had known some folks in a previous job had had like done some consulting for. Uh, for like Guinness or some other brewery maybe. And I'm like, back then I was like, well, it'd be really cool to work for a brewery, but I'd never put that together. And so then I was like, and I think like I had always thought about opening my own business, but I don't know if I knew that Corey had had the same set of thoughts, but the next day it came in and like, we just started talking about it and he had wanted to open his own business. And so did I. And we're like, there's no one really else doing this. And like, it sounds like fun. And that was that. We wrote down some like ideas for recipes on an index card that day. And then like the next day or the day after, Corey's like, I think I'm going to go to the, the homebrew store, Niagara Traditions. And I'm like, I'll come with you. I think I came with you for that first time, right? Yeah. Wow. And then that's that's how it started. The way we went. It's It's amazing probably how many local breweries have gone through Niagara Tradition. Yeah. Well, that's the place you would go. Right. You know? I mean, that, that is the place. As long as you're starting locally, that, that would have to be where it would begin. Yeah. So you guys, yeah. we, you were both like biochemists? Yeah. I mean, we both worked in the pharmaceutical industry and like their operations or sort of R&D. Right. Corey was a chemist and I was an engineer. Okay. That sounds like a perfect combination to open a brewery. A chemist yeah. and an engineer. Yeah, pretty much. Kind of, sort of, yeah. Yeah, we work, I mean, we, yeah. we work well together, but also complement each other's, you know, strengths and skills. So Right. So then you opened in 2014 uh, in the tap room in 15. And I was I was going through some photos because that's when the podcast started, too, is, was in 2015. And I'm like, oh, I bet I got some old photos. And I, I did. I found I found one of, of Matt from the first Brewers Invitational at Pettibones. Uh, I won't throw it up here so that everyone can see it, but I showed Corey earlier. It was a long time ago. Right? There's a lot of faces in those photos. You should throw it up there. There's faces I hadn't even thought about in a while. Here. The Brewers Invitational at Pitty? Was that, like the, was that yeah. like the posts? Like, which festival was this? I'm trying well, that to... was no, that was in... Uh, at Salins. Yeah, sorry. Yeah, in the, the, the ballpark. At, at the park. But was it, like, post-ballpark brew bash? Or was it, like, the... There. Well, I've, I've still got a taster from it. But... I think it's right here. Nope. Either way. Yeah. Uh, can you see... Can you see... Um, resurgence... Um, flying bison and twelve gates. Yep, yep. yep we we got. Um, I think I know Kerr which one was his last is. name. Corey, I'm sorry, like a, Sean Kerr. That's right. Oh, maybe you. Maybe this was. Okay, so maybe this was a brewer. So everybody brought something to this thing, and it, it was, was all like unique stuff. Yep, I, I like. April I remember being at this thing, 
but I didn't remember it being like the Brewers Imitational, which is that New York Beer Project. Is that right? Yeah. The Imitational. Oh, there we go. Yeah. I'm sure it's called the same thing. Chocolate I'm, I'm going to have to look up my taster. Yeah, yeah. I, I just I remember like a bunch of crazy beers getting pulled out. Man, I look young. Yeah, it was 10 years ago. <laughs> yeah, almost, right? I think oh, I'd yeah. have to uh, search back in like four phones ago to find uh, the pictures. I did have to do from that. From the garage. Way and back uh, who else? Oh, yeah, my Chevelle was in those pictures. Brian. Yeah, like, there's Brian. You, Brian you has the stack of scientific equipment in the yep. back. That Brian and Chris. Yep. Brian is, we figured out, we think the second oldest brewer in Buffalo, and Corey's number three, and Colin's really? number one. Huh. Yeah. I wouldn't have thought well, yeah, that. Yeah, Tim, Tim just retired. There you go. Okay. And uh, Colin's, like, right on his coattails, so he slides in there. But for a minute, I was getting nervous. Someone thought I was the oldest. Colin, what about Carl? Well, if you're going by age, yeah, Carl's got me beat. By oh, her. I see what you mean. But gotcha. we're talking by, like, career uh, makes, makes sense. Career. Sorry, sorry. How long have you worked <laughs> yeah. for a brewery in Buffalo? <laughs> I'm so sorry, Carl. Too, for, I didn't mean to call you old just now. <laughs> oh, he's old, right? <laughs> he's old. Uh, is he? The, is he the actual age oldest? I don't That's know. That's not true. that up. I'm going to throw that to him. I bet if anyone knows, he would know who's older than him. Because I don't Rudy, know. Rudy just so. retired too, right? So, well, that's where Rudy was. Remember, yeah, we were at Rudy's number two, I guess, right? Retirement yeah. party, not you know, question mark. Question yeah. mark. I just put a question mark there. <laughs> um. Anyway, so sorry. So big ditch. Uh, Hayburner wasn't wasn't the wasn't one of the opening beers, right? Or was it? It was not. We. <laughs> I can almost remember the first beers we so, and some of them are beers that we, some of them are beers that we still make. So, Lowbridge was on the list, mm-hmm. absolutely, and, and Cinnamon Apple was actually on the list because we were like, okay. let's do a fall beer, but not a pumpkin beer. And then the other ones were ones that's hard for you to remember all of them. I think we had like a Dunkelweizen, which we we wanted to do things that like people weren't really doing. So we we're like, let's do like a dark wheat. German beer, which nobody was doing, but then we didn't want to making that because nobody was drinking that either. <laughs> and then I don't remember. There was probably one other one that I don't remember what it was. So in this blonde picture, peach is up there too. Blonde peach, peach, a, a Belgian blonde ale with peaches. Yeah. In this picture is Great Big Stash. Is that what that's Great called? Great Big Steve. For Great Big Steve. Okay. Well, our collaboration with uh, Great Lakes. Mm-hmm. All right. And then, you know, what else is up there? I remember is uh, there's a handwritten one for Chocolate Goza. You remember that, Corey? Oh, my God. So we made it. We were like, we'll do, we'll do a Goza with chocolate malt in it. It was pretty good, but it was so freaking salty. Like, we put way so much salt in it. It was like seawater. <laughs> so there's, there's a little happy accident. The Black Sea, yeah. <laughs> Exactly. Yep. (laughs) So anyway, so I, I did a little bit of research on here as, as I'm want to do, as I'm looking up recipes and, uh, it says an early iteration Mm. of this beer won gold in AWOG in the, in the IPA category in 2014. Uh, how similar would that IPA be to what would become Hayburner? 
So it's pretty, I mean, it's pretty damn close. We had to change one. We changed our dry hop schedule a little bit. And what, what are those it? and what times? No, I'm joking. Sorry. <laughs> we, so the, ori- the, the original homebrew yeah. one, yeah. like, so, okay. So the hay burner ingredients is have the things that have not changed very much is it's always had two row and a little bit of crystal in it. It's always been, you know, tried to be somewhat lightly bittered, but the bitterness has for sure changed over the years, you know? Yeah. And then, um, it's always had like probably Cascade in it. I, I, I think there's probably been a little Cascade, Cascade, Cascade Zeus. But um, even that's not true, Corey, because the, that early version had Centennial and Citra. I had the, I have, I'm going to go look at, I'm going to go, I'm going to go look at the picture at my kitchen wall. Hang on. Right, you got look at our original so, recipe. So the, so the original, original one had, I'm pretty sure Centennial and Citra. And that one won that award, which we were shocked by. Like, yeah. I did not expect that to happen. Um, and then uh, by the time we went to go open the brewery, which is just months later, hops were in such short demand that we could not get any Centennial. Yeah. And we could not get any Citra. And this, but we yeah, I got get, Rev, Rev 6 right here. Okay. Don't show them the numbers. I don't want to see two the numbers. Row, two row, yeah. Crystal. Warrior, Columbus, Glacier, Glacier, which we were, I'm pretty sure, the last brewery in America to use up the remaining hops of the Glacier. <laughs> All <laughs> right. Real. They, they actually killed it. They, they don't, were farming it just for us. They don't They don't grow it anymore. Um, and then, yeah, Cascade. So, right. Yeah. The, yeah. So the, the glacier thing was because, well, like hop supply was an issue back then. So, and even like I said, by the time we opened, we couldn't get Centennial and we couldn't get Citra. So we had to switch those, switch the Citra to Falconer's Flight and the Centennial, you could get Centennial type hops and Centennial type hops, which just blend of Columbus and Cascade. So we started doing that. And then Glacier, we're like, we wanted to use hops that nobody else was using so it wouldn't, like, run out or be very expensive. It's a good idea. And and Glacier was, was like, a little bit, like, peachy and stone fruity. Mm. So that's how we made Hayburner. So some things similar, but other things very different. But, it like, it always tasted the same. It was, like, not too, too bitter, not too, too malt-heavy. You know, back then, West Coast IPAs were still very much like what most people were doing. But, you know, like Hetty Topper had come out. So mm-hmm. you were like, all right, let's like keep the malt base a little lighter and keep the bitterness down a little bit and make it very like citrusy. And that's kind of, you know, the the blueprint for Hayburner. So it was a blend between like where Hetty Topper sort of was and what a lot of other IPAs were, which is a little more West Coast. So it's kind of like my biggest question as a, as a home brewer is like, with the hop supply, you know, changing every year and the characteristics of hops changing based on crops, like how do you maintain that signature flavor, you know, year after year? Like, is it just that, you know, we forget what the flavor is from year to year? So, you know, if there's a little variance, nobody really notices or, or what goes into that? Um, we assess every beer at 8 a.m. before we put it in the package every day, right? 
which a lot of people come to me and say, must be so great to just start your day off drinking beer. But <laughs> in all reality, everybody really wants to just drink coffee, but yeah. you drag yourself in there, coffee list to keep your palate. Sounds great when you're 20, right? <laughs> right. Right. 37 right. is a little different. Yeah. yeah. I just, I, really, I would like a coffee right now. But um, yeah, so like we do sensory and then uh, with our pharmaceutical background, like, the level of documentation you would see at our brewery is probably um, unlike most other breweries. So uh, most breweries have like a brew sheet, mm-hmm. a sheet of paper. We have batch records, which are, you know, 10 to 12 pages long. And we document every um, process step along the way. If we deviate from that process, um, we make sure we note it and, before it goes into a can or a keg, we uh, we we assess it. Uh, we assess everything, but you have to do the same thing. Like this time of year, January, February is a real pain in the ass because the crops, the new crops, start coming in, and you have to make sure your alpha your alpha acids are adjusted. And like these are all like theoretical numbers you're working with on a computer screen. Um, but really like the proof is in the glass. What does it taste like at the end of the day? Or at the start of the day. Or at the start of the day. (laughs) I'm going to bring Brian and Brian's here. Oh, Hey Brian. I apologize for being late. Hey, you look great though. Haircut looks nice. Haircut. (laughs) You gotta, you gotta come correct with a burner. Nice. I'm actually finishing my first. I might go for a second, but they are 7.2%. And I I, I did want to touch on that. Is that, is it 7.2% because that was the flavor you were going for and it just happened to be 7.2% or is that like a relic of the uh, mid-aughts, right, or uh, late-aughts where we're trying to push the IBUs and the ABVs on everything as far as we can? It was supposed to be 7%. Okay. But we messed something up. I forget. I'll tell, I'll tell you. We, we, we calculated <laughs> something wrong. And then we're like, oh, shit. We're 0.2% more. <laughs> nice. What we were doing was by one way we were um, adding the hops, we whirlpooling it longer. Yeah. And then we found out that because Ooh, of that, pretty- we were like um, boiling off some of the water okay. during that whirlpool and concentrating it. So the gravity was higher than we thought. We weren't measuring it at the right step. So by the time we, and then, so we didn't learn this until we went to go package it. The first time we went to go package it, we're like, you're supposed to be within a 0.3% tolerance on your ABV. Mm-hmm. So like before we put 7%, we better go like, you know, have somebody measure this to make sure it's accurate. And we're like, oh, whoops. It's actually, it was like, uh, it was like 7.5%. <laughs> All right. And then we're like, oh, and so we're like, legally, we need to be even 0.3%. We're like, let's bring that down a little bit to 7.2. We'll put that in the label and make sure we're within the range. Yeah. So that could have been part of the uh, legend of Haber. <laughs> the legend. Where it's like, boy, this uh, this seems a little stronger than I than I was ready for. <laughs> At least there's 12 ounce cans. <laughs> At least they were in twelve ounce cans. Yeah. Right. yeah. But I mean, so we were shooting for seven. Why seven? I mean, nice round number, I guess. There All wasn't right. too too much thought about it. But I mean, we didn't want to do a double anything. And I think seven seemed like just a good 
cutoff point for like a nice strong, you know. I feel like seven is is a cutoff point where (laughs) once you get, if you hit eight, anything eight and above, that's a double. I always feel like above seven and a half was like, if like seven and a half, you could maybe call a single IPA, but that's about as high as you can go. Yeah. But with that with that seven point two uh, ABV, you guys kind of set the you you guys kind of set the mark, right? Because now when all local breweries release an uh, an IPA and the ABV is you know six five six seven maybe six eight, they're always like, oh, it's not that bad because Hayburner's seven two, yeah. and everybody drinks that. <laughs> that certainly was not deceptively drinkable. <laughs> deceptively drinkable is a good way to describe it, yes. and it leaves room and market share for the day burner at five. It oh, does. Right? Very what I was going to say, though, is about Hayburner is that we were trying to make it drink drinkable to some degree. So we didn't have want to have the bitterness too high. We didn't want to have the malt too high. So it was like sweet or something. And then we worked hard to sort of disguise the ABV, which, again, I think in a lot of IPAs you get now, like you can't, you can't really smell or taste the ABV, you know, mm-hmm. like. Other half will do a triple IPA where you can't smell it, you know, can't can't get the at the ABV or something. So, but we were purposely trying to do that, and that might have been a little bit of a new thing, maybe for Buffalo when we did that. But I don't know. We weren't. I don't think we. Were, I don't think we thought we were being so like original or anything. Yeah, we did have to change our yeast a few times. Yeah, okay. we did that too. <laughs> you guys sent me O uh, five US O five. So. Uh... Yeah, I was surprised to see that uh, 05 in there for a hazy. Yep. <clears throat> That's not, well, I mean, the, the haziness doesn't, I mean, I'm, well, I don't want to give away too much, but I'm, I'm pretty sure, <laughs> I'm, I'm pretty sure the yeast doesn't have that, 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 <laughs> the haziness. There are breweries making a lot of hazy IPAs using that yeast. Yeah. Um, but, but I will say that that is a, like, that is a yeast that will work well to make hay burner. It's mm-hmm. actually not exactly our yeast. Um, for logistical reasons, we, we we put that in there because it will make a very close hay burner, but not exactly what we use. Now, I remember on the original post, it said that you could get the liquid yeast version, but I didn't see that as an option. So this year, we just it, it was a huge pain in the ass, so we didn't do it this year. Ooh, the first I, year we did it. Yeah, oh, it was like, oh okay. Did, this is not we, the first year doing this. Yeah, we've done this before. We did it oh. in a well. This 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 started during COVID. Because like our tap room was closed, yeah. and yeah. like even our brewers are like, "Well, what are we doing?" So we're like, "Hey, at Corey's, whose idea was it? Was this your idea, Corey? <laughs> Maybe it was mine. This mine, like yours, Dave's. I don't know. <laughs> this is probably my fault. Like I guess, but uh, we, but we that, did modify actually, the process. It was a lot less painless this time. Oh, good. Yeah, yeah. We we did it in 2020, and it was very popular. And like again, it was right around the holidays, so people were buying mm-hmm. them as Christmas gifts. And a couple of years went by, and our brewers had a little time this year, and we did it again. So, so it's similar, but but a little different than the first time. All right. So, uh, if I was going to pick up one of these homebrew kits, because there's still a lot of time left, because we need this in by March 31st, and I was telling Brian, I I brewed mine about a week and a half ago, and I'm, I probably brewed it a little bit too early. As long as I can keep the oxygen off it, what I'm actually doing right now is holding it in the primary, and I haven't dry hopped yet, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, and let it sit underneath that CO2 blanket for a little bit while longer. But, sorry, point is, if you go to Big Ditch Brewing, you can still pick this up. And uh, the, I got the 
all grain version, came with the bag of grain, came with the yeast, and came with two hop packets, a kettle hops and a uh, dry hops. How has the uh, reception been on this, like number of orders? Is it Has it been growing year to year? We did it again. We've only done it twice. So we just did it in 2020. We didn't do it last year. And then we did it this year. All right. And I think we sold a little less this year than we sold in 2020. But 2020 was so different because. Let's push this. People. Yeah. People. People were just at home with nothing to do, I think. Yeah. During COVID. But it's still. I think they're nearly gone. Yeah. Yeah. We've got. Yeah. We've sold most of them already. Good. So I'm going to volunteer to be that guy that you always see in the TV show that doesn't know what's going on, uh, and they have to explain everything too, so you know the audience knows too. What's going on with this contest? <laughs> this is a change we did this year, right? So we, um, because we're doing it again, we're like, well, maybe a hundred something people already did this. Why would they want to do it again? So, like, we'll make it interesting. So, and we, we actually, we, Corey, me and you, we still have to put some, some planning into this a little bit. But we, we, we sort of said, hey, get your, make, make your Haybird or Homebrew clone. Get it into us. And we're going to judge it. And the winner will get, you know, uh, Hayburner for a year, which will basically mean, a, you know, a, a gift card to buy Hayburner from us for a year. Like a case of Hayburner a month for a year. Which so is how, less than I go through a normal year, but that's a lot of hay. Right, it's, it's a lot right. of hay burner. We we tell you how much you can have in a year. <laughs> I, it's not like well, I drink a case. There'd be people I know that we, you know, it'd be like a whole batch. <laughs> yeah. Right. <laughs> yeah. So how are the uh, entries being judged? Is it is it like a, a contest where like the the best result uh, wins, or is it like? You know who, who has the most Facebook followers? That <laughs> well, no, we actually we want you to like submit the beer, and then we will, you know, judge it up against a control sample. Nice, and yeah, uh, you know, whichever most closely resembles uh, what we would consider Hayburner, um, right? Within our control spec, you know. But I think there may be also, like, I was thinking about this. We may do, like, another little award for, like, let's say it doesn't taste like Hayburner, but it's still really freaking good. Like, we may still do an award for that, too, I was thinking. So I, I, we haven't worked out the whole judging scenario. There's some things I, like, I want to get, like, a celebrity judge in for this if I can. I don't know nice. who that would be. Dolly <laughs> Parton. Oh, That's perfect. Wow. Does she like Hayburner? I don't know. Wow. She could, yeah. Who doesn't? So how are you going to, I mean, you gave us 05, so that might be a, a tip off. If somebody buys a keg of hay burner from you guys and just beer guns it into a couple of bottles. <laughs> I still think that I'm not work, saying no. I'm going to do that, but you're right. Crossed my mind. Well, now you've told everybody. That's right. Yeah. Everybody yeah, I, mean, I don't know. We do a lot of shelf life studies, so. Yeah. The slightest touch of oxidation will, um, you know. Ooh, that scares me. Your, your, so, you, so you've never judged a whole yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> So let's say I picked up one of these, hypothetically. Uh, what kind of water do you guys use 
at Big Ditch. Are you using municipal water and then treating it? Yep. I mean, you would have to, right? For your size. It's it's charcoal filtered. Right. right? Um, And then we UV it just to uh, make sure if there's any bugs or anything floating through the water. It's basically as close as you can get to sterile. Uh, This way, when it sits in like a cold liquor tank, there's no risk of anything propagating up in there or anything like that. But yeah, it's just. Buffalo municipal water, which we have pretty good water for brewing. Yeah. You look at it minerality-wise, it's pretty even across the board. If you want to increase um, some levels of stuff, you can by adding different sorts of salts and things like that. <laughs> Ooh, that was really, really vague. Okay. That's okay, though. I'm just saying. I'm just saying. Scott, they said they can't give away all their secrets. It is totally okay to be vague. But that, yeah, that was super vague. All right. All right. I do like in the recipe, I've got a mash temperature on here. That's the kind of stuff where, where as a homebrewer, I'm like, ooh, I've got a mash temp. <laughs> I don't have to guess at stuff like that. Um, mash temp says about 155. Um, pre-boil gravity of, of about 1055 and, and a um, original gravity of about 1063. Which is not actually going to produce like a 7.2, but it will get pretty close to 7. So is this recipe closer to what you guys were doing homebrew-wise? Or is it more or less no, that's what, we do what it's become? If you, uh, well, uh, it's, it's pretty close to what we do now. All right. Well, and because it's not exactly the yeast for you, there's some, Makes sense. you know, based on the attenuation of SO5, it's going to get you well within the ballpark. Yeah. I'm hoping to get it down to like 10, 10, 10, 9. You could also say this. Yeah. I mean, like if you, um, if you just add the yeast packet, you'll probably get one result. Yeah. If you add that yeast packet and make a start yeast starter out of it, you'll probably get a different result. And if you add that yeast starter and you well oxygenate your worts, you'll probably get yet a different result. So it depends on the process and how diligent you are about doing it. But, you know, obviously we make sure we pitch enough yeast and oxygenate the wort real well. So, And it mentions um, some, uh, what's it mentioned at 15 minutes out? Some yeast uh, nutrient. Yep. It does that mention to help you. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Monday link. As a home brewer, the biggest the biggest thing we notice in like our fermentation and attenuation was using pure oxygen, yeah. as opposed to just shaking yeah. a living piss out of it. You can only get so much. Yeah, oxygen, oxygen really changes your fermentation. Yeah, oxygen and temperature control are huge. Yep. yep. I think Corey was talking about like the speed. Like yeah. a, a, like a homebrew fermentation might take you two weeks. Like that would never, that usually doesn't happen for any ale fermentation, unless it's a, a big gravity or something like that. But our fermentations are at terminal in four or five days usually. You know, that didn't happen when we were homebrewers. Right. You got the bigger toys. You got you got the nicer equipment. <laughs> yeah. 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 What, so, uh, your kit, ahead. what kind of efficiency do you assume on that? Because, I mean... Uh, I like to homebrew, but my efficiency is terrible. I get like 65%. Uh, 
Yeah. So 7.2 probably end up like 6.5 for me. <laughs> probably, yeah. right? It's probably like 70, 75%, which yeah. is sort of an average, average yeah. you know, home brewing efficiency. Yeah, but you got to so, figure the grain was crushed through our mill the same way that we would crush our grain. So it will, it will, in everyone else's system, be a little different, but we do, uh, we do have a fairly tight mill gap. So, yeah, but I don't know if every home brewer knows this. So, like, if you most want to impact your efficiency, it's by, it's with your mill. The, the, the better you're able to crush your grain, the more efficiency you can get out of it. This is stuff we look at all the time at our brewery. Yeah, I never changed mine. I, whatever it was, stock. <laughs> yep. Let it go. <laughs> Just, yep. We never did either when we were home brewers. But like if we have a, if the mill's not dialed in, like it might cost us, you know, several yeah, hundred dollars more batch to make yeah. the same beer, you know? So you, these are things you need to look at. Definitely different a, scale. Yep. Absolutely. So if I did want to bump that up, if I just threw more two row in there, w- would I lose the same character? It'd probably be fine, right? Yep. <laughs> two row or DME or something like that shouldn't impact things too much. Right. So Jesse, you got to pick one up. We can do this together. Literally. We'll, we'll, we'll do this. Well, I'm using a grandfather, so I get about 75%. It's more fun if you make it a competition. <laughs> so I do want to, I do want to talk about the history a little bit more of Hayburner. Um, but to stay on this topic and being an annoying homebrewer, can I throw up that <laughs> recipe again? Yeah, I'm, go for I'm it. I'm going to throw up the recipe that I that I came up with based on just trial and error over over a little bit of time, but I completely changed the hop schedule based on this homebrew kit and and blog posts. And again, you can tell me, uh, hey, that'll make an IPA, or or you can go as much as, <laughs> as much into it as you want. Um, here it is here. I'll go through it for you for people who are just listening to um, when I'm putting together something, the carapils, I only put a half a pound in there. Uh, it mentioned carapils on big ditches website. So I put a half a pound in there. Uh, I put a little bit of crystal 10 in there and then uh, the rest of it of uh, one pound of crystal 10. And then the rest of it was just two row. Um, because I, I felt like, I think in one of the things you said, you mentioned that you wanted to keep it light on adjuncts. So I went heavy on the base malt. Mm-hmm. Yep. Give me your impressions. Yeah, you're on right. That. That's right. right. All right. Um, and then the hops. Again, the hops is where I I changed things up because I got this kit and I took things out and weighed them and I only got one ounce of kettle hops. So I'm like, well, all right, well, I'm going to get the most amount of IBUs I can out of this one ounce and the CTZ and the warrior were both listed on the website. Um, and those had the highest, uh, uh, alpha acids. So I'm like, well, I'm going to throw those then in the kettle to try to bump my IBUs and I'll throw everything else in the dry hop. Cause I only had one ounce to work with. Can you see it? I'll, I can go through it. If, yeah, if I can you see can't it. see it. I, I put in the dry hop then two ounces of Falconer's Flight, two ounces of uh, Cascade, and one ounce of Azaka. What do you think, Corey? I would not put Azaka in your dry hop. That's not a that good you don't, but you addition. Huh? Yeah. 
<laughs> if you look at your Azaka Alpha Aphids, are the same as your Warriors? Yeah, the 15. That's, that, that's because I thought it was Galaxy uh, up until very recently. Oh. Yep, so that's a, that's a little key right there. Yep. All right. And then other than that, like the only other thing I was going to say was that uh, mm. your color's a little too dark. You probably got a little too much of that crystal in there. Yeah. All right. I will. I will take that to heart because I was. I was literally, you know, up at a light trying. This is not. This is not Hayburner um, specific. This is any time I'm trying to to come up with a similar recipe, and I'm up at the light like that's the color I'm going for here and, and playing around with things when I hit this and it gave me the same exact, um, pre-boil and starting gravity. You're close. As this had, I was like, oh, okay, just stop playing. You're fine. You're close. Yep. That's fun. So after I make this one or after I finish this one, I should say, I will, uh, I'll try this out and I'll keep experimenting and then maybe I'll bring that in. Although I assume you guys get, homebrew from people all the time and i feel like oh, whenever really? i bring some to a brewer they're just like oh thanks <laughs> i feel like that window. happened a lot more eight years ago okay <laughs> no you know we have people interview just brewers like though who, who brought their homebrew yeah like I, which which me and dave, one of our brewers dave he was mentioning that he dave dave's like um really like our r&d manager right now so he's in charge right now of all the experimental stuff and new things and <coughs> that sort of thing. And David mentioned, he's like, I almost brought, I almost brought my homebrew to the interview, but it's kind of a bold move because it's <laughs> yeah. like, if it's good, that's great. But if it's bad, you, you everything else might've been good, but you screwed it up with your homebrew. You know? yeah, that's a good but point. He decided not to do it, which I don't know if that was the right move or not, but we did hire him and he's <laughs> worked for us for seven years. So I guess so. Have you had it yeah. since his homebrew? Dave? Yeah, he's probably not homebrewing much anymore, but... Uh, yeah, he's still homebrew, occasionally. Okay. I don't think quite as much as he used to, but... He used, like, he used to homebrew after working professionally way more than I would ever recommend. Like, yeah. that's, how you know the dude, that's how you know the dude loves brewing. Like, why would you go home to make an absolute disaster of your basement? Yeah. <laughs> After you just did this all day. Like the nice part about making even pilot batches in a brewery is like trench drain. Dump yeah. the kettle on the floor. Yeah. Hose it down the drain. Well, yeah, we'd be like dumping it outside in the snow. Okay. Oh man. Yeah. You guys don't just dump it in your basement? Jesse? <laughs> no? No? No. Right, oh, my garage. The, running the immersion chiller in the dead of winter right yeah. now, just like make my driveway a sheet of ice. Mm-hmm. Or like if the faucet is frozen, like, well, I guess yeah. we're just not chilling it today. We're, we're just going to let it sit overnight. We, yeah, I mean, we, we, we chilled a batch of beer in snow. Yeah. One of the first ones. <laughs> it was maybe a low bridge, I think. At it your was. House. Wow. Yeah. We're like, how do we get this shit cold? <laughs> <laughs> and we just stuck it in the snow. We went to go get tacos. Nice. That was, <laughs> yeah. oh, so, boy. This is my fault because I'm the one who's supposed to be going in a, in a logical order. And I was until I jumped straight to the homebrewing section of it. And that's my fault. We were talking about when you first started brewing Hayburner. And I, I had mentioned the AWOG win. And then you, you talked about bringing it in. And you showed us the sixth revision. There's been... 
as of 2020, 151 revisions of Hayburner. How many would you say there are now? Or you might know exactly. I think we're probably getting close to 200. 200. It's got to be. Well, because we got two different sites right now. Right. Brewing. So now we got like two different revision numbers. I guess if you if you mash those two together, you're probably close to 200. Yeah. Okay, so they split off. You branched. You don't you don't I'm count each one as I'm its own revision. It right like the- they are they are each their own revision. That's why like for me to actually get the actual tally, I'd have to I'm look at it. it up. They have slightly different recipes because the equipment profiles are different. That's what I was going to ask. It's a good well, question. mostly it's and it's mostly like most of those revisions are because the hop year has changed, mm-hmm. or the vendor of that hop might have changed. So you might have some variability in like the alpha acid content. So, I have it for up to two hundred and eleven. Whew. Okay. Wow. Yeah. Most of those are like the Small changes things. would be nothing. Yeah. Well, like, oh, again, there's big ones. Changes. There's ones where we again changed the hop that was in there because we glacier didn't exist. There are ones where we stopped in the beginning. We worked hard to try to like clarify Hayburner. Mm-hmm. And then we we're watching like what like a brewery like Treehouse was doing. And like, why are we spending all this time and money trying to make this thing look clear? Yeah. And we're like dumping a bunch of beer down the drain, trying to clarify it and get it to the right clarity. So we stopped doing that. There's all sorts of like big changes we made in along the way. I mean, it's changed. If you drank Hayburner from when we released it versus today, like you wouldn't think it was the same. Yeah. We all remember Hayesburner. Right. That's Hayes when that Burner. started. That was the first. <laughs> yes. Yeah. And like nice. we thought that was better. And then we're like, all right, we'll just keep doing that. <laughs> and that just and became then, so like it's funny because it's like it's not really the same beer, but it kind of is. So like they're all small tweaks along the way, though. You know. It, so it, what? Uh, uh, what? Um, what effect has the new facility had on the on the brewing process? Has it made it easier, or has it had no effect at all? Or I mean, the new facility is twice the size brewing capacity, right? So it's a forty. 40 barrel brew house. So in effect in one shift, you can do uh, what you would do in two shifts at the original site. So it's more efficient. Uh, there's a centrifuge there, um, which allows us to basically spin solids out of the beer. So what, uh, what would take a day or two in the bright tank to like, kind of like settle out, you don't have to wait for that anymore. The beer is a little bit brighter and cleaner right off to get. So it allows us to package it uh, more efficiently and quickly. Based on the color, can you tell which, which pr- uh, facility this came out of or no? They, they look exactly the same. Nice. They taste the same. We, we do uh, shelf life and stability studies. So uh, like, part of the beer. That's what the can batches are going to street. Sorry, what's that, Jesse? I said that's what vexes me the most is how how you make these minute changes uh, uh, to get the same flavor. I I don't know how to quantify scientifically flavor. You know what I mean? <laughs> well, flavor is I mean subjective. 
because it's based on one's palate, right? Right. And so you, you, you fill the room with more than just me. I can't, like, a sensory can't be one person. You try to do it with minimum of three, you know, maximum of whoever's on staff, and we all take our notes, and we all describe the flavor profile a little bit differently. Like, Matt might say he gets something that's woody, and I might say I get something that's pineapple. Like, but is what it comes down to is like, do my notes repeatedly look the same? And does Matt's notes look repeatedly the same? And are we having the same conversation every day? Or is there somebody saying like, I, I wouldn't package this like, and if you got that, then we have to like take a deeper dive. How often there, does that happen? There's small variations too. I don't want to make it sound like it's exactly the same thing. Right. Every it's time. a range. Right? It's still our our brewery is not a fully automated brewery, so there's there's little variation in how we do things, but like, the variation the, is within the tolerance of what most of our customers can detect. I think. I guess it just comes with experience to be able to like taste that and say, well, this just needs a little bit more of, you know, X or Y, you know, that's, it does. That's sometimes we'll be like, <laughs> like a beer's too bitter. Does everybody think it's too bitter? And like, yeah, it's a little too bitter. And then we're like, well, how much less bitter would you want it? Like 10%, 25%, 50%. And then uh, like, yeah, 10, 15%. Okay. Well, that's what we'll do the next batch. And that's yeah. it. And that's it. But if someone was like, uh, yeah, this beer is orange. I think it should be brown. Like, well, we're not doing that. Okay. That, that's, a, that's a big change. That's another beer. So, there, yeah. you know, there's things you can change and there's things you can't change. Like, we, we couldn't change that dry hop to some other completely different hop. That would be a different beer, you know? They're, right. they're small changes. But again, they've been done slowly over time. If we just brewed. The 2014 version of Hayburner yesterday and tomorrow we rebrew the 2023 version. You'd be like, these are different beers. They're not the same. What the hell's going on? But they're small changes we made over time. Does I've got sense? a 2014 can yeah. on my shelf. I want to open soon. I'm sure it'll be good. I still have one at the. I have one at the brewery, but I I'm not going to open it. I don't think. <laughs> yeah, right. I actually don't. That would be cool if I did. But one of these yeah. days, yeah. I'll find. One. I'll track one down. You can. How, there's a, there's a, sorry. Go ahead. I was going to ask you how many how many batches have you done? I feel like this is at your fingertips. How many batches have you done? Ooh. It used to be I. I don't really know. It's it's in the thousands thousands of batches of Hayburner. I I can't imagine that's a bad thing. There has to be a good thing that that one of your beers has taken off so well in this region. Is it a little bit of a curse? That, that you need to spend so much of your resource on this one instead of new ideas? That's a core That's question. That's goal, right? Um, <laughs> well, yeah, right? I wouldn't say it's a curse. Like, it's... Uh, it's interesting when we brew something wildly different than Hayburner mm-hmm. because the staff... It has to like almost like uh, hyper fixate on how to actually brew again. 
because you, get, you almost get so you get yeah. so used to like I turn the valve now and I shut the water off now and then you can we can literally brew hay burner in our sleep right but it is really an exciting and fun day when we're brew something totally new and different which is what um, having Oak Street has done for us because the original location on Huron, we now can like breathe new breath into that brew house. And that's really the R and D facility, which I don't spend much time at. Um, I'm too busy making sure the, the cogs and the wheels are turning right. at Oak so that hay burner tastes the same for you guys. But uh, that's what Dave, uh, our R and D uh, lead is uh, always doing like, we got all sorts of wild shit coming through there. Um, and not all of it works, but <laughs> that is, that's what you got to do. Like not, you're not going to hit a home run every time. Uh, sometimes you won't even hit a double. You're just hoping for a single, right? Just get on base. <laughs> base hit. Yeah. Yeah. Like uh, this is good. We can serve it. How can we make it better? Yeah. And, like that's constantly what we're evaluating and reevaluating. I, I was going to mention that uh, Corey has said before that Hayburner tastes like work. Ah, that's that's but, funny. Uh, you should make that a shirt. <laughs> it would only be for the for brewers, you guys, but yeah, brewer shirt. But when I when I when I heard that and think about it, I was like, it's yeah, like Friday night. There's worse. There's worse jobs, right? <laughs> that's right. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I don't know how that could be a bad thing. It's not motor oil for sure. As we're wrapping this up, because I don't want to keep you guys much longer, but. When, when did you first realize that Hayburner was was like taken off? Like, oh, okay, we we got a thing here. So when we came out the gate, we had three beers when we opened. We had Lowbridge, and then we had Excavator, which actually that's what I'm. Uh, if I can do this, that's what I'm drinking now. We just put that back in cans. I'm having Excellent. one of those. Um, and then we had Hayburner. And I honestly did not know which one would be like the best selling one. I kind of thought maybe it might be Lowbridge because it was the lightest one. Mm -hmm. I know our wholesaler try it was really keen on excavator. They thought, oh, like this is a you know, dark beer. And then Hayburner was the IPA, so I always had a shot. But like it was maybe not only like only like a few months into it, I want to say the two or three months where like you could see that Hayburner was just like um, taking off. And so it was the first beer that we double brewed. And then before, you know, we're just making it over and over again. Yeah. And so we were selling a lot of it. And then, um, like, the moment that I remember we're really thinking that Hayburner was really, really a thing is I, I was a, away on a rare vacation with my family. <laughs> I don't, don't don't take too much time off, but, but, but try to when I can. And we were actually in Disney. I had taken the kids to Disney and I got a call from our sales manager and he was like, I just got some data and Hayburner is like the number one best selling beer in Western New York, best selling craft beer in Western New York. And I, I didn't know that. I just thought it was really, really good, but I didn't know it was that good. So that was kind of like a, you know, a holy shit moment. Like that wasn't what we set out to do. <laughs> Pretty impressive, you know? Yeah. Right. So that's that's the moment I remember. So, how much of your numbers does it represent now? Ooh. It's it's still like 
probably 70 to 75 percent of our that's higher than i would have guessed that's amazing yeah yeah we we do we do a ton of hay burner um me too yeah same yeah (laughs) Yeah. i go through a lot i process a lot of hay burner is what happens it's a little bit of like there's a time where i was like like why i really like not, not, not and I, I can tell you why, but I, it's it's tough to even think about. But again, I'll tell I think you why the, after you after you answer, please. <laughs> All right, I, I'll tell you why I think, and then we'll see how closely our opinions match. You know, but <laughs> but I mean, obviously, like there's, I think the beer is good. Um, like it's again, like I said, low bitterness, which makes it drinkable. The ABV is well hidden. It's not too sweet. It's got a lot of aroma and flavor. Like I don't think it's the best IPA that's you know, ever been ever made. I think we've made better IPAs than, than mm-hmm. Hayburner even, but I do think it's very consistent. Um, and the consistency drives, I think a lot of what people like about it. And then I also think like, you know, like Corey got, came up with that name. The name was a great name for it. We has a little backstory. I think the artwork was like probably the best, maybe, you know, at least at the time, some of the best artwork that anyone in Buffalo had put on a package, you know? Yeah. So I think that was cool. It had a fun brand and, and also the other thing I want to say about Hayburner is it's, and I'm, I'm sure you guys understand this, like there are way more expensive IPAs out there. You know, it's, it's very affordable for the quality, which is really value. So those are all the things that I think kind of make Hayburner, you know, what it is. I don't need to answer now. Yeah. No, what I was going <laughs> to say was. I spent a little time thinking about this. Yeah. What I was going to say was it's uh, consistency, it's availability, and it's price. Yeah. It's uh, you know what you're going to get when you grab a hay burner. And it used to be, we Brian and I have talked about this many times, it used to be you go out somewhere and you ask, what what craft beer do you have on tap? And they'd tell you, and you'd be like, oh, all right, um, well, then give me the Southern Tier IPA, please. Right. If that was, if they had three craft beers and two of them are Guinness and <laughs> Sam Adams, right? Like, okay, please give me the Southern Tier. And Southern Tier has been not completely replaced, but now those same places, they are willing to go to Hayburner. Yeah. So it's a place. I was at a diner the other day where they don't have a great tap list, but they have Hayburner and I know what I'm getting. And, uh, yep, please give me the Hayburner. And then yeah, third yeah. was price. That's a testament to our sales team too. Yeah. Like they went out and just tried to sell it everywhere. And <laughs> they after did. a while, like it's good. <laughs> Here's one of the things that we saw early that was surprising is we'd have a place put it on and they buy like a six keg and it would sell real fast and they'd take it off and switch it for something else. Mm-hmm. And then we'd go back and be like, well, if it sold real fast, why'd you take it off? Put that back on. So they'd put it back mm-hmm. on. The same thing would happen. And after a while, people kept would ask for it. Uh-huh. And like our our sales guy, well, our sales manager Andrew, he, he sort of said it became like the call IPA at a lot of Buffalo bars. People would ask yeah. for it. So once that happened, it became like really a, a thing, you know. Um, and again, I just you know I would say it's due to the the price and the consistency, and you know, you know, Corey's done a great job of the consistency, and we all work hard to keep our costs affordable. We've never tried to. We were always shooting for the middle of the range in terms of craft beer that we were trying to sell to. We weren't shooting for like the geekiest of beer geeks necessarily, although we do make beers for for that that group. But you know, we were trying to bring people in that hadn't had much craft beer really. So that goes to the affordability as well too. 
I think it was like 2016 or 2015 when I walked into a bar and people didn't really know what the big ditch was a brewery, but people would ask, what type of hay burner do you have? <laughs> and that's a testament to like, just how well branded it was like hay burner in its own right is its own brand, right? Yeah. People, people were like, what type of hay burner? They didn't realize they wanted an IPA. Mm-hmm. They're like, just like, there's this beer out there called hay burner. And I want something like that. I don't so. like hops. Do you have a hay burner? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we have heard that a lot, though. People, are, you know, people would say in the early days, and even still, there's people we still hear this from. It's like, I don't really like IPAs, but I like hay burner. And I think the reason for that is the fact that we were not trying to make it again too. Like, IPA was really associated with bitterness. Yeah. Um, you think about some of those legacy old school IPAs. You know, yeah. Racer Five. Yeah, yeah. That's like so uh, just like destroying your resin. Yeah, and I, I never really, even myself, liked IPAs all that much when we were sort of learning about craft beer because they were so bitter. You know, but then again, like I think New England sort of really were the ones that shaped these like non, not super bitter IPAs, and that that got us thinking about it a little bit, and that's. Well, we started hearing from people too. Is like I don't, I don't like IPAs, but I I like this, and that that had something to do with it as well. So before we let you go, and thank you so much for doing this for talking. We, we could talk Hey Burner all day. Oh yeah. Um, you said you've got beers coming out for the beer geeks because you're talking to three of them right here. Uh, what what's really getting you guys excited right now? So. Um, <laughs> New stuff coming out. So, well, f- first of all, since we opened um, Oak Street, the new brewery, as Corey was saying, that gives us more room to do some new things at, at Huron Street. And so we're going to be um, we're only a, a month, a couple months away from having a lager out all year round, which we have not been able to do um, since since we opened, actually. And so and I'm super excited about that. It's a rebranded. Uh, it's a rebranded beer that tastes like beer. It was the the Hellas recipe. Oh, that beer is fantastic. Re- yep, that's going to be rebranded to a new beer called Little Waves, and we're brewing the first batches of that right now, and that should be out in uh, March timeframe. So you guys will probably like that. Um, we're playing around with a little few more West Coast IPAs these days. West Coast, it seemed like to me, and you see if you guys agree, but West Coast just like vanished off the face of the earth for years. And I feel like they're finally starting to come back a little bit. Yeah. I think, like, I'd probably thank um, Carl and Pressure Drop for that. Like, he's definitely. <laughs> I was going to say, they're still they're still in the first ward, but otherwise, yeah. 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 Well, he's probably <laughs> revitalized an interest in West Coast IPAs in our area. So that's awesome. So we're going to do a few of those. We got one called uh, Miles Miles in the 90 coming out the end of, uh, the end of February that we mm-hmm. just brewed, I think, like last week we brewed that. So that's in process. Um, what other stuff do we have going on? I don't know. Like, uh, we got the beer geeks in there with Dave. They're doing the collaboration. Yeah. So, like, you get, like, that's not just us. It's every local brewery in the region. They do some sort of goofy, fun stuff. Um, 
You know what we're making for that, Corey? The, yeah, uh, sounds pretty wild. We'll tell. We'll tell. Well, I'll, I'll share it here it's, <laughs> for, for listeners. They, so they, we've been we'll pl- list it. You you don't we'll, have to. Yeah, yeah. So, but I don't know if they have that out yet. But anyway, um, we've been playing more with the a little bit more non-alcoholic beers, a little bit. Oh, so fun. so Dave's brewing with them, and they wanted to make this. This wasn't his idea. It was there <laughs> a non-alcoholic pastry stout? Wow, you're making an an NA beer. Wow. Yep. Pastry yeah. stout. Yeah. I, I, okay. We had just had the group in the other day to do the like first little test batch. Came out really good. And A lot so of R and D into this guy. I'm this speechless. is huge. Yeah. It's literally it's huge. Okay. Wow. Yeah. So there's a lot of development work that goes in. These are things we couldn't do. Like we didn't have the time to do all this, but he's doing a lot of development work on stability and things like that of these beers. So, um, so we're we're putting some time into it. Right, I'm on the Steelbound team. So there's you just guys no already yeast won. in it, is what you're saying, right? <laughs> What's that? <laughs> there's just no yeast in it. Because <laughs> it's fermented out. There's some yeast in it. Okay. It's not non-alcoholic. Um, official non means less than 0.5 percent. And then there's alcohol-free, which is 0.0. We're, we're, our ours will be, you know, 0.4 percent. That's that's amazing. I'm 100 percent in. Yep. So Scott, so Scott, real quick, I have two questions for Matt and Corey about about uh, upcoming stuff. And uh, while we while we have you guys, is there any chance? Question one: Is there any chance we'll see no puns intended canned in the future? And two: When will we see another lock IPA beer? Um, one, yes, there is a oh. chance, a, a good chance. <laughs> okay. Uh, you know, hence our football season's over, but there will be another one later this year. So maybe look forward to that. Mm-hmm. A lock IPA beer. I love that beer series. Yeah. It's not like definitively in the plans, but like we're, st- we're still going to release like a dozen new IPAs this year. So just because they don't have lock IPA on them okay. doesn't mean that we're not doing new IPAs. We, you know, we, uh, like and again, some might be like a few more West Coast this year, but there'll be some other hazy IPAs, that sort of thing. So, no, no locky IPAs, but definitely some new IPAs this year. Dave's messing around with some cryo hops right now, so he's got some things planned. Nice. As yeah. a, a elementary school music teacher, I love that so many of your your beers revolve around, and the brewery name itself revolve around the Erie Canal. Uh, I had a kid a couple of years ago. We sang the Erie Canal song, and he goes, my dad goes to the brewery. It's named after the Erie Canal. Like, yes, it is. I know your dad, and we've been there together. (laughs) That's awesome. As I always say, like to, you know, combine a little bit of history with drinking. So, So guys, uh, anything you want to add? Because I'm almost done. No, I mean, get get your uh, homebrew kits together. Please do, everyone, at Pitch's website. And uh, I look forward to um, doing a really long sensory one morning. (laughs) Jesse, he's talking to you. Make sure you get a kit. (laughs) Said, I've got mine. It's sitting on a CO2 blanket right now. Um, Nice. We would do the same thing commercially if we didn't want to dry hop a beer right away. So right. just so let it sit. You're, you're on the right track. Let it there. Sit. My, my basement is, is at like 66 degrees, which is perfect. Going to be okay. Right. So guys, thank you so much. This was phenomenal. No, thank you guys. For having us. It. 
appreciate you guys. And it's been a, uh, we've been, we've been doing stuff like this for, I don't know. When was the first time we met you guys? It must've been 2013, something like that. Yeah, it was a very, very long time ago. Probably been 10 yeah. years for us too. So thanks for doing all the things you guys do to keep promoting, you know, local beer in Buffalo. You guys are, you guys are awesome. We're happy to do it. Cheers. Cheers to that. Thank you. Cheers.